Hi guys, I'm Alistair Stewart, I'm the editor of Darrow. Um, for those of you who read the site often, and for those of you who read uh, what I have to say, thank you for reading what I have to say, first of all. For those of you who keep an eye on what I put out, you'll know that I have a particular love of Batman. It's a complicated love, I'll grant you that, but it's a love nevertheless. And today I'm very happy to be joined by uh, one of the stars of the podcast, What's Now, with Alan and Callum. And I have Alan Graham with me just now. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you very much. Alan, I have a. I, I'm so. First of all, I'm so happy that you've been able to join me today. But I, I have a. I have a confession to make to you. Okay. It's 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 not a good one, and you may not want to speak to me anymore. Okay. Well, we'll see. I've got my. I've got my hand on the mic. You've got the hand on the mic. You've got the hand on the mic. That's well. Back in 2005, I refused to watch Batman Begins. I had a friend who kept insisting it was the greatest film ever made to indulge my inner Clarkson there for a moment and I refused to watch it. Such was my loyalty to 1989's Tim Burton's Batman. Anyone could not be, no one could be Batman except Michael Keane. That is my, that is my confession. I feel better. I feel relieved for saying that. You got that off your chest. I got that off my chest. That's been brewing for about 10 years now. I'm not going to lie. Well, I'm glad you you felt comfortable enough to share that with me. Um, (laughs) I think, uh, look, to be honest, I'm, I'm not going to chastise you for that because, not not because you're, you're sort of loyal to 1989 Michael Keaton Batman, but because of the sort of grotesque monster that the Batman cinematic universe became by the time Joe Schumacher and George Clooney and Arnold Schwarzenegger were involved in it. Got their paws like, on it. I could I could understand somebody not wanting to to sort of tread back into those murky waters. Murky waters the, is what they are. God God like, bless God bless George Clooney for for making such an impressive recovery from such a disastrous film. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I think I, I like as well that whenever he gets asked about Batman, he always apologises because he knows how bad um, that movie was, Batman Forever. But hey ho. Where... Uh, no, I'm not going to chastise you for that. That's the... <laughs> I was going to say, your punishment right. must be more severe. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I feel better for getting that off my chest. But if I'm completely honest with you, as I've gotten older, God help me for saying that, I actually think that Batman Forever has a redeemable quality, but it is absolutely nothing on par with the Christopher Nolan Batman series. What do you, what do you think? I would agree with the latter part of that uh, point. <laughs> I think Batman <laughs> Forever has no redeeming qualities, um, and it's miles worse than the, the Nolan trilogy. <laughs> the, the Nolan trilogy. I read something very interesting the other day, and it was talking about the way that the new film, let's just skip past Nolan for a minute, the, the way that the new film is going to be presented. And it got me thinking that, imagine in a few years' time, in another 10 years, you and I are having the same conversation, and we look back on Nolan thinking, oh, God, don't you miss the comic-y days of the Dark Knight trilogy? Because the <laughs> way that it looks like it's going, it's just going to be dark. Real dark. Yeah, I mean, the, I was going to save this until a wee bit later on, this point. Because it is something I, I, I read it a few months ago, and it's something I actually kind of agree with in retrospect the more I think about it. But I read this thing about the, the Nolan trilogy, to come back to that, where whereby obviously after particularly the Dark Knight, the setting of the trilogy, people people kind of had this expectation that because the film was so good, and particularly because Heath Ledger was nominated for an Oscar, that this was going to be kind of the making of comic book movies. That they're all they were all going to be like this. So they were all going to be of that Christopher Nolan mold, going to be very dark, kind of stripped back, yeah. like very realistic yeah i'd agree with that and that they were going to be really critically acclaimed and finally get the sort of uh, awards uh, recognition that they deserved however now you know many years on the argument could be made that the christopher nolan batman trilogy has actually had no cultural impact whatsoever other than being like great movies in their own right it's, because... it's funny that you say that. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I have, a, I, I have a theory, and it is neatly tied in with the new Batman, Ben Affleck, is that I don't think 2002's Daredevil was a bad film. 
I think it was clumsily put together and that leather was far too tight. But, you know, thematically, it had elements that I think perhaps may have influenced what came next with Nolan in 2005's uh, Batman Begins. It was much darker, it was grittier, and it was literally bloodier. And for Daredevil to have that kind of influence, even in such a small way, it's interesting. I, I agree completely with you. I don't think... Nolan's trilogy has Nolan's reputation is 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 marvelous. He's brilliant. He's gone out and created great films, but I don't think comic books have looked at that and think that's how they all need to be from now on. If anything, the opposite seems to be happening. That there's there's a return to the the comic book world. Ben Affleck is in a costume. He's not in armor, for example. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's exactly it. It's like and uh, this expectation was born out of the sort of the the result of the Dark Knight Dark Knight in two thousand and eight. But the irony is that it's the other film, the other comic book film in 2008, Iron Man, that has actually shaped yeah, how that's very true. are these days. That's um, very true. With Marvel kind of getting it right, you know what I mean, and what they're doing. It perhaps would be remiss of us not to mention that the Christopher Nolan hand was very much on Man of Steel. And Man of Steel tried yeah. to keep the formula of his own films, but well, wasn't well, great. No, well, see, I would, I would argue that, that that's that's maybe partly to do with Nolan himself. I think, obviously, we'll get on to talk about the films individually. But Dark Knight Rises, the third in the trilogy, is the one for me which I have the most probably to talk about because I really dislike it, and I think that that was the 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 start of what I consider kind of the downfall with Christopher Nolan. Because he made he made the Dark Knight Rises. He then produced Man of Steel, and then he directed Interstellar, three of which are t- all terrible films, in my opinion. Interesting, interesting. For me, the Dark Knight Rises, and I don't want to get too much into how much would the impact of the how different would the film have been if Heath Ledger had lived, rest his soul. Mm-hmm. But for me, there 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 are clumsy elements of that like Interstellar, which deny it the status of a great film. And I wouldn't call myself a pedant, Alan, but a police officer's been underground for five months with no beards, for example. You know, Batman being in a hole, coming out of a ground, and appearing shaved with a haircut in Gotham City 12 hours later. And I know the joke of, he's Batman. But it's, 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 you know, little moments like that, which make zero sense. Yeah, and it I mean, the film down. Yeah, I mean, for for sure, you could like point to the 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 many sort of gaps and like logic in the Dark Knight Rises. For me, the problem with it is mainly its its structure is really poor because the the whole film. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree even, with you on that. If you if you've got you've got your title, you've got the Dark Knight Rises. So the whole point is that Batman is going to sort of return, so to speak. Yeah, and and this yeah. and and this this film, and I take it we're now just starting with the Dark Knight Rises and working our way. We're back. working our way backwards. It seems okay. a, a, the logical way to do from the, from the nostalgic view of twenty sixteen. I think the thing with the thing with Rises is that no one finally, for some reason, and I think it's actually to the detriment of the film, he finally acknowledges the existence of the wealth in Batman comic books and tries to incorporate a lot of elements for them. Because yeah, that's a lot, interesting. There's a lot of stuff for, you know, The Dark Knight Returns, you've got Nightfall, you've got No Man's Land, you've got a bit of the cult in there. There's a a lot of stuff in there, right? And by no means, you know, marginalise the comic book stuff. But to be fair, it had worked for them so far, you know what I mean? Yeah, keeping it real. Literally keeping it real. Yeah, there's like vague whiffs, uh, things like Year One in Batman Begins. There's a little bit, a very little bit of the killing joke and long Halloween kind of feel to the Dark Knight. But in terms of Dark Knight Rises, there was quite a lot he added in there. And I think the whole the whole idea of the plot was that he had he had retired for being Batman. Instead of just sort of continuing where the Dark Knight left off, where he was still being Batman, but maybe just trying to ev- evade the police as well as criminals. He, he full on quit being Batman. So then, for the first hour of a film, you have um. Yeah, right. it's, it's something like forty-five minutes before you even see the suit. It becomes yeah. You have um. You have um. 
doing the titular rising to become Batman again. And then you've got Bane in the mix, whose only function was in the 90s to remove Batman from the equation. To, to break <laughs> Batman. And you do, like, it's very interesting that you say that because for me, the rising part of Batman is not anything to do with Bruce Wayne. Like, it is literally, for me, it's the end bit with, uh, again, shoehorn it in, what's your first name? Robin. Ah, uh, right. It's him going into the cave and all his shit rising up from underneath his little pond in his little cave. Um, and that's the, that's the last shot of the film. Yeah. So it's like a tra- like it's a transition film. If, if, it's almost bittersweet in in the respect because it's like you've got the new, and you know the great lens are, are are gone to in the film to anyone can be a hero, you know. And mm. at the end of it, it feels like you've got your bat signal, you've got Batman back with a statue, and you've got someone who actually wants to be Batman. And Commissioner Gordon, despite letting you know the city fall into disrepair for five months, is still the commissioner. It feels very much like there's more stories to tell, and yeah. and, and Nolan finds this in the in the last hour of shit. This is what we could have done. I just, yeah, I just kind of feel that there's a lot. There's a, they maybe wanted to do two separate things and kind of like like merge them together into one thing. Because you have, like I was saying, you have the first hour it devoted to his first rising. Then he gets his back broke. And then you have the second hour it devoted to another rising of the Dark Knight. So it's like, what is the what was the whole point in that? There's, there's, you, there's moments interwoven in there. Like the whole Alfred arc. Always felt like him leaving was a way to get him out of the city so they didn't have to deal with Michael Caine for, you know, trying to make an... What did Michael Caine do for five and a half months? Mm. Like they got him out, but I agree with you. It's 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 confusing. Like there's little moments of him returning the first time, which are brilliant. The hospital scene where his injuries are being described to him, he comes back, he mm-hmm. gets his ass handed to him by Bane. Then he's out of the picture for like for people who have spent forty five minutes waiting for him to like the character, the 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 story of the character to return. It seems like they now have to wait another 45 minutes with him yeah. in, a, in a hole. And it seems like maybe this is what Nolan was struggling with. It, it, for me, the Dark Knight Rises is a payoff for Bruce Wayne's story. So the three films don't become about Batman. Batman's just a consequence. It's a story about a young man and his journey to redemption and finding meaning and all the rest of it. So it's a whole new way of viewing it. But theme-wise, it seems like Rises struggles with that. Yeah, I think as well, part of what made it kind of dis... Not necessarily disappointing, because this isn't something I really enjoy about the, the, the trilogy, but no one has this thing with all these films, where they are to a certain degree about the the mating of films. You know what I mean? They're, they're sort of deconstructionist. To, I agree to, with that. Um, but and obviously Batman Begins and Dark Knight do it as well. They're sort of deconstructing the superhero genre, and then the third one kind of ends up being sweat, like slightly empty, because it's almost like he kind of just succumbs to to doing a superhero movie without really continuing that deconstruction and really saying anything about the character. In the end, when the first yeah. two films he had been making these sort of points about Batman. The third one just rings kind of hollow. A it lot. rings hollow. I mean, if you wanted, like, if you wanted to go the full hog with it, I think Man of Steel is almost the fourth Batman film, and it's evidence for why he should not have done an actual fourth Batman film. It's too indulgent of he doesn't know what to do anymore. Like you can see that he's jaded with the genre, and there's yeah. tra- there's elements of that in Dark Knight Rises that weren't present in four years previously in The Dark Knight, which brings us on, of course, to this arguably his seminal work. What are your thoughts on The Dark Knight? I, I think it's a masterwork uh, in cinema. It's fantastic. It's one of, the, it's one of my favourite films. It's yeah. probably one of the best films I think ever made. I agree. It's got a but, lot of replay value. Infinite replay like, value. That, that's the reason I would say it's probably one of the best, in my opinion. Because it's well, for me, that's the reason it's my one of my favorites. Is because it's the, it's the kind of film that I could watch over and over again. 
Whereas other films, I don't think I could really do that with. You know, I, the only other film I can actually do that with is Inception, another Nolan film. Okay. And I, I maybe couldn't watch it over and over again, but I could see what I could see what you it's mean. It's just something that. about it. But I think what The Dark Knight gets right is, and someone we've not mentioned so far, I think Nolan's films completely and absolutely owe a debt, massive debt to Hans Zimmer, who composed the whole thing. Yeah, for and sure. I, and I think the tone that he gets right in The Dark Knight is inherently tragic, but also quite drama-based, like a thriller. It never mm-hmm. really gives you enough time to stop and think, hey, there's a guy dressed as a clown and a man dressed as a bat. It's, yeah. There's a logic There's an in, There's an a logic that translates that you can immediately just get in. And if they'd made that film and never made Batman Begins and never made The Dark Knight Rises, you wouldn't need them. No, it's, it's, that's, that's, it's completely that's, self-contained. And that, yeah. I think, is why it works. And I do think as well, I mean, like you were saying about Hans Zimmer, I was thinking about this before we started, that my favourite moment of that film is undoubtedly the end, where you've got your speech for Gordon over like a sort of montage of things, and then you see Batman kind of escaping for the police. You know, he's not a yeah. hero, he's a watchful protector, silent guardian of Dark Knight. And it's like, it's... It's so good because it's it's you've got all that this great imagery, you've got a great speech, and then you've got this fantastic like soundtrack that just like brings it all together so well, and it like yeah, yeah that, that literally gives me goosebumps. Every oh, time. so it's one of it's one of the defining moments for, and so I, of cinema. I think that they got it absolutely bang on the head. But the problem with that is, it's so good that feels like that should just be it. That's the end, and they shouldn't have made a third film because that was so good, you know what I mean? You're I'm, never yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a big, I'm a big believer in the logic of you don't need... Sometimes imagining what came next is better than actually seeing it. And yeah. I always remember the deeply, deeply sad now but beautifully prophetic words of, of Ledger's Joker where he's like, you and I are destined to do this forever. Yeah. And that's true. I mean, it's testament to the characters, but it's also testament, I think, to the quality of the film. Like, it's just, it's entirely self-contained. But it makes sense. As a story, it makes sense. And I think it makes sense because Batman has a purpose. Like, I never understood, and I think the problem with the earlier films, is that Batman is, the police are grossly incompetent. Like, why bother doing any police work whatsoever? Because there's a man dressed as a flying uh, bat who can do it for us. In this, it's like the police are corrupt. The police are being beaten down by crime. He's a vehicle for it. And that whole plot is believable, rather than just thinking every police officer is inherently useless in this universe. What do you think about Michael Caine's role in it? What do you think about Commissioner Gordon? Uh, Gary Oldman. I think, I think certainly Gary Oldman is the best thing. He's the best character. He's the best thing ever. He gives the best performance, I think, in those three films, hands down. He's fantastic in it. Like, he's, like, what you... Like, ever since you read, like, something like Year One, which kind of, like, affirmed, like, confirmed uh, Commissioner Gordon's sort of status as, like, a real badass character, Gary Oldman is, like, one of the only people that could have done that so well, you know what I mean? He, he's got the look, he's got the like personality. It's fantastic. Rough is, around the edges. Again, yeah. I, I think only Gary Oldman could pull that off. No, I think he, he he's really fantastic. And Alfred as well is good. I like I like the sort of twist with to, to a certain point, giving it to Michael Caine, so he's just more sort of like funny kind of Cockney, yeah, music, and, as opposed to this kind of proper. Return chat. to return to rises for a minute. I don't think, like, he had one joke in that film. One joke. And, but he was much funnier in the second film. There was undertow- little moments of humour, um, yeah. which made it work. In the, in, the, in the third film, it was just, you know, don't worry, Master Wayne, it takes a while to get back into the swing of things. That's it. That's the one joke in the film. In the second one, he's a little bit cocky. Yeah, he's, he is. He's, it's fun. He's, he's, he's good. He is good in that. Particularly in probably the first one, I think he's, he really demonstrates, you know, like every aspect of Alfred. In the well, first. it's, it's I, I think Kane must be, I mean, everyone knows blow the bloody doors off, but I think size of a tangerine is one of these lines that he just, I don't know why it's so memorable, but 
I re always remember the Dark Knight for containing just Michael Caine going tangerine. It's but he just he brings a gravitas to it. The same with Morgan Freeman, of course. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The, ca the cast of the films are, 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 is incredible. Oh, they're you know impeccable, I mean? impeccably you, done. You, could, you, you can barely really, over all three films, m more so, you could do it a wee bit more with the third perhaps, but it's very hard to pick a weak link in the cast over three movies, which is incredible when you think about Who it. Who was know? it that played Rachel Dawes in the first one? It was... Uh, Kate, uh, was Katie, Katie, Holmes? Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes. And then it was Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal in, in the second. Who do you think played it better? Um, Who do you think is the more deserving recipient of, of Batman's stalkerish tendencies? Uh, I, probably Maggie Gyllenhaal, but I think she's just a generally better actress. Yeah, Katie Holmes just seemed like, in, in the first film, it's, Bruce, your girlfriend's a bitch. You know, open your eyes, son. That is the vibe I get. She doesn't play this uh, genteel, kind, a very, very feminine but very strong character well at all. Um, and I don't know if that's Nolan's ability to write women because I noticed it with Anne Hathaway in the third one as well that he doesn't quite get sexiness and intelligence right with his, with his female writing. It seems too often that they're there to be the muse and I know the film's about Batman, but it fe feels too often that they're there to be the muse for the main character rather than bring anything. Like, well, her role seemed to be to die. That was it. Uh, Tragically die. Well, yeah, to a, to a point, yeah. But I, I wouldn't think... I, I think that that's more of, like... I, I think it's necessarily that he doesn't write women very well. I think it's that Christopher Nolan just doesn't really write human sexuality very well. Like, everything is very, like, masculine and sexless in all these films. You know what I mean? Like, he's, yeah, he's very cerebral. Like, he yeah, doesn't... exactly. He's, he's, he's a robot. He's like a directorial robot. I, just... I, I, th I think that I would love to have seen Batman come home one night and, you know, Michael Cale, how was your day? It was, it was fucking horrible, Alfred. Fucking horrible. I got stuck in track. Something that was a bit more human, what you're saying. You know, it was just, it was all textbook. If I was going to look up a textbook of film writing, Nolan's is perfection. It is absolutely beautifully arranged, floral perfection. But it lacks a little bit of that human element, like you're saying. That's what it seems to be missing. And particularly with that relationship that was meant to be so important and so tragic, particularly with the Harvey Dent angle, he just didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't really care if she lived or died. You know? That's fair enough, I suppose. Yeah, I mean... Mm. Yeah, she's. Uh, we're I can understand what you're saying. There is like a sort of problematic there with her as a character, um, and that she does seem to be more of an object uh, who is sort of passed between these two guys, where they they're they're basically just sort of they've got this. Or Batman has this affection for her. And then she obviously dies, and it sort of moves the plot. More. Put it, to put it to you another way, I don't see that character being worth spending eight years locked in my bedroom for. Mm. If I'm completely but, honest. See, that's another thing that I would criticize. To go back to the Dark Knight Rises, that's another point against it, because you have your your uh, uh, Miranda Tate, Talia Al Ghul character. Oh God, yeah. Just, who, just... Who, who I would argue as well, Marion Cotillard is probably the weak link I could spot in the cast. Because um, I, I don't think she's that good. But um, you, have that, you have that scene in the third film where finally uh, sort of Bruce Wayne opens his heart back up, I guess, and like sleeps with Miranda Tate at the time. Bruce, um, naughty. But the thing being that there, you don't really get how important that is in the film you know I what still, I mean? you, I, I, four years later I well, yeah. still cannot get that twist like yeah. I, I know it happened are you you're talking about the Talia Al Ghul twist yeah I, I, ju I just can't get that like yeah I understand the speech it's the slow knife that hurts the de deepest I, I get that but the whole I don't know what the hell he was thinking there like it was <laughs> it, she was just she's a character that's evidently been 
in his life for years. It's implied that he's only gone into retirement as, as Bruce Wayne, hiding in retreat as Bruce Wayne recently. Mm. She built up a clean energy project with him. Um, oh. But then it turns, okay, you're Raz al Ghul's daughter. But what's the point? It just seemed like a very redundant twist. Well, again, but again, that's part of the issue with the third film in general. The villains are just not as good. Bane is not very good a villain because Bane has never been that good a villain, even in the comics. He's just like a one-note, I'm bad for the sake of being bad kind of thing. Argue, well, actually, that's not fair. In the comics, he's actually a wee bit more complex than that. I think he's dumbed down a lot more. It's incredible that they got Liam and Neeson back for a cameo, but didn't think to do some kind of flashback scene with a young Bane to try and pad it out of why he was such a bastard. Like, they mentioned the whole League of Shadows and all the rest of it. Theatricality and deception are all the rest of it. But the, he, he needed a bit more characterization. And it, it seemed to be that the more that they shoehorned into the third film, they lost the charm of the second, which was the Joker was just an agent of chaos. Yeah, Bane needed a backstory because they gave him up this whole store this whole linkage this whole heritage of yep he was trained by the same people that trained batman but never really got an explanation as to why like they felt like they were trying to parallel the story with bruce wayne yeah i think i think but didn't get me, it. i was i was always very disappointed that they even went for bane because bane is not in my opinion as a batman comic book fan He's not a classic Batman comic book villain. Do like, you think they would have brought back the Joker had Heath Ledger lived? Well, no, because even even the like even after you know, what I mean, you like I watched The Dark Knight, and then you sort of consider that Heath Ledger had died, and then that you would never see the Joker again. I, it didn't really bother me because I wasn't really hoping to see him again. Because I, I actually think what he does in The Dark Knight is enough. What I really was disappointed is that you never get to see either or both the Riddler and the Penguin, who are the two other classic Batman villains. It would have been interesting to see what they did with those characters. It's a yeah. glaring omission in the third one that they didn't have any reference to the Joker whatsoever. I understand why they didn't yeah. do it, but it didn't really make sense when you're opening all the gates to all the prisons. It does kind of cast a, a bit of a shadow. Yeah, it feels like an. It feels like the, the third one feels like a beautiful, massive house. It feels like Wayne's house that it's been built up over ten years, but all the stuff in it is not. It's a bit empty. It's yeah. got lots of stuff in it, but it's a bit empty. I suppose that brings us on to the first film back yes. in two thousand and five. How do you feel that that compares to its later successors? Well, I mean, I still think it's fantastic. It's clearly the setting the best, because, I mean, you're not going to be better than The Dark Knight, which is, is odd that the set... I mean, you know what I mean? That it's the sort of, it laid the groundwork, and then the setting one, you know what I mean, was so much better. But I really I really like Batman Begins. I think it's really good. Um, I'm detecting a butt coming on. No, I, I actually, there is no butt. I think it's a really solid film. I really like what they do with everything in it. Um... Yes, yeah, it is good. There's, there's really no. I don't think there's that. There's, there's downsides to it. It feels but, much more traditional as a film. Like if I was gonna, yeah. if I was sitting in a Warner Brothers office somewhere, thinking, how can I make a shitload of money from toy sales? Then, mm. there, obviously, that is an element which features less so in the later films. But it feels like you do have the Batmobile. You do have the classic origin story of Bruce Wayne, which I'm convinced if you went to the furthest reaches of the world, to a tribe that had never seen a television, they'd still be able to tell you that, yep, his parents were shot. So yeah, they did it because they had to do it. And it's told out of sync, which is quite nice. But it feels much more traditional in that if you're going for superhero films, if you want to call it that, I suppose. Probably, yeah. I mean, I think that's partly, you know what I mean? It's a case of maybe... Maybe I think you see more what no one always wanted to do with the second one, where it is a bit more sort of deconstructionist, whereas the first one he maybe had to hedge a bit in terms of do it in you, the middle ground. You do get the, the, the feeling that he had to work to earn their trust. Like it was a massive hit, it was a critical and commercial yeah. success. I think, I, think it's, I think it maybe exists in between a super Christopher Nolan film, like a really 
deconstructiony film and, and then a traditional superhero film. It kind of exists in the middle ground. I yeah, I'd say. agree with that. I'd agree with that. I think... But I don't necessarily think that's that's there's anything wrong with that. Um, I, I like I say, I think it's I think it's really good. It's a really solid film. I I would argue I struggle to say much about it because like I like the Dark Knight as well. They're both so good that it's difficult to really speak about how you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny that you it's say that. Harder, yeah. It's always harder to speak about films that you have nothing but admiration for. I agree. My only criticism of, and my criticism of beginning with Batman Begins but ending with The Dark Knight Rises is the timeline of how long does he actually spend being Batman? Because in the film, it's impli- the first film it's implied it's a month or so. In the second film, it's set a year after. And then he disappears for eight years. It's a hell of a long time for a persona to have that kind of effect on you. And I feel that for all the, the emphasis that's placed on, oh, he's broken by the third film, you never see, get to see him playing Batman or being Batman for a very, very long time in the first and second film. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that, is, that is a sort of maybe a bit of an oversight. Yeah, because it's obviously the whole thing with Batman is he has more... To more more in like sort of earlier comics, certainly, that he's more this sort of idea that criminals are really scared of. Um you know what I mean? And and to have him around for just what, a year and a month, um isn't that long it's a time. It's not it's not that long a time. But I mean again you see that in the second film. You see the impact of it. On that point, one of my favourite scenes possibly ever in cinema is the scene where he's going into the, the nightclub, music playing, strobe lights, and he's just taking he's out people after people after people. Uh, <laughs> like, bottle smashing and everything. That is good. It's, it's just beautiful. And that, that it, to me, was always this Batman. That was the rough and tumble. The th- the, on that point, actually, uh, you have reminded me a couple of things that I would say about the trilogy that I, uh, that I am critical in general is that A, the hand-to-hand combat is garbage in all three of them. Controversial. Interesting. I I think it's really bad, and it's like, it's done with a sort of like choppy editing that makes it look... The editing, I will agree with you on. I mean, it's it's really... Particularly in the first film. But I don't, I don't, look, I don't think the hand-to-hand combat is garbage because they didn't get like a proper choreographer or something like that. The reason I think it's garbage is because the bat suit looks like garbage. Interesting. What because, do you think of the, the, the revised one? The logically revised one? He needs to turn I his head. I actually quite like the new one. I so, think so that do I. It's very, it's very difficult to go back and watch the original cinematic outing thinking, here, yeah. is, here is the Dark Knight of Gotham who can't turn his bastard head. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with the Bat suits. They've always been, like, too much. They always look too heavy. The other Batman suits for the 90s, sort of onwards, they're always, like, too much. They're, like, very heavy looking. You know what I mean? You can't... Yeah, I'd agree with like, that. Say, Michael Keaton can't like, like turn his head and stuff like that. They're too rubbery or whatever. They look like armor, and particularly with this one as well, the the Dark Knight trilogy suit. It's, it's too much. It's a lot on it, and he can't really move, which hampers his ability to kick guys' faces. Which, which, in. which in which in defense of it, I am happy they incorporated that as a plot element. Of he needs to turn his head, so they give yeah, him a new suit. Yeah, that, like that was good. That was a nice wee, almost like a wee joke. Yeah, that. it's like no, no, no nipples, please, Lucius. I just want a straight new suit. Three buttons yeah. is a little nineties, Mister exactly. Wayne. I think, yeah, yeah. Whereas obviously Batman is meant to be this kind of like essentially like a ninja. You know what I mean? He should be able to move around really freely. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think the new costume does actually look pretty good in that respect. Someone said, and I can't take credit for saying it myself, but I do agree with it, that the trailers are focusing very heavily, like, no one likes Superman, but that is perhaps a conversation for another day, but everyone loves Batman, and they said that what I read online was Ben Affleck's Batman in that suit actually looks like the kind of Batman that could take down ten guys, like he's got the agility to do it now. And yeah, well... That's, that's nice to see. It's nice to a fabric-based or some kind of fabric-based return. Yeah, parti- yeah, particularly like the last trailer they released where you have that bit where he sort of goes into the, the warehouse and he beats up a load of guys. That, that looks really good. 
Um, and I think that's yeah, part, that partly awesome. because of the suit, obviously, it looks like he can move in it, you know what I mean? It's, it's incredible that you, <laughs> it is incredible that no one in the 90s thought maybe it would be nice if, if he could turn his head. Like, you've got films like Independence Day coming out. Yeah. You know, the, the, the bloody America brought down Russia in the late 80s, early 90s. How could no one make a suit for Batman where he could turn his head? Why did yeah, that not I, come up as a conversation? It's a weird. It's like it's almost like you watch the sort of first sort of few Batman films, the Tim Burton ones, and it's basically like you've got an action figure that can't move. You've just got like yeah, a statue of Batman. The irony being, just, the action figure could probably move more than the actual yeah, you, character. You, in the book. You've just got a statue, and he's like moving through houses and stuff, and just like you, you know, you're just smashing him against the penguin's face to beat him up. Yeah. Like that's that. It's like you can't really do anything. He's more just like something to to look at there. I but not to do anything. I suppose, speaking of Batman and speaking of the elephant in the room, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on Mr. Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne? And Batman, I, for that matter. I, I like him. I think he's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I, I Fine's think, not, oh, Alan, fine's not a ringing endorsement. It's not a ringing endorsement, but I, I, I don't know. Like, when I first found out it was him, you know what I mean? And I saw him in, in, the first, in Batman Begins, I wasn't super convinced by the second one I kind of like I made my peace with it it's fine it's fine that's all I can oh, really Alan, say you fine. are incredibly heartless to a character that's lost both, both his parents incredibly heartless well yeah but I mean that <laughs> the same could be said about Ben Affleck Batman and Michael Keaton Batman and George Clooney Batman I, 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 Batman I like I like that they gave him a believable physicality like Michael Keaton is still derided as being very very slender and frame and bulking up in a suit Bale looks like, you know, he could take on 15 guys. Oh, yeah, for sure, definitely. I, I think, think I think Ben Affleck looks even better. In he that does respect. look... Like, I always remember that the animated series, that was Batman. Kevin Conroy is Batman. That is the voice of Batman for me. Yeah, definitely. And when I look, when I look at Ben Affleck, when I look at Batflick, I do think there, there is an element of... You know, he's a, he's a big lad. He's bulked up. And he fills the misery and... The, the literally the size of a guy that you know is crawling across uh, you know <laughs> through a city at night beating people up you can believe that in the same way that I could completely understand that by the Dark Knight Rises Christian Bale is just a broken shell yeah I just think he's a bit I don't know he seems like particularly when he's like Bruce Wayne he's maybe a bit flat I think he's a bit stalkerish he is because- he looks he, he seems he's flat and weird because obviously I get that Batman, like well, of course I get, because I, I read tons of Batman comics. I know that the Bruce Wayne thing is more the secret identity than the Batman thing, and that he puts on this act as Bruce Wayne, where he is kind of like, no, to, no, incredibly, but slightly more outgoing and friendly. But Christian Bale just didn't seem to bother with any of that. I think that chimes in with another problem with the the, the film series as a whole is that I, I don't think that there's ever been an explanation of what Batman da- does in his downtime. Like this, you've got, you spend all these, these three films, about seven, eight hours in total, trying to build and make, a, make it about Bruce Wayne, not make it about Batman. But they never give you any real insight into what it is that Bruce Wayne is like when he's on his own. I mean, I, 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 does he listen to music? Or does he literally just spend every night crying? It's and it's it's an element that I think lets down the series, which prides itself in its realism as a whole. Bale mm. just comes across as Bale's Batman comes across as very serious, very hard going, totally brute, totally Batman. But I think he could have been a more. I think there could have been another layer of complexity for his Bruce Wayne. In my book, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, uh, like obviously now that I'm sort of thinking about it more, I guess he has like kind of he does. He does make a good job of like trying to be outgoing, if you know what I mean. Bitterly like, outgoing. Yeah, like you have him, you have him in bits like when he's sort of talking to, he goes on that like double date kind of thing with Harvey Dent and Rachel Dawes and that night, and it's like he comes across as this kind of like sm- like smart Smug bastard, dick, right? But I think it's like kind of it's it, it is quite good that it's like he clearly doesn't know how to be like a proper human being. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a weirdo, and I, I like that they don't shy away from that. 
You're weird. Yeah, so I guess I guess that is good. Maybe maybe there was more nuance that I'm, than I'm giving him credit for. But do you I, think? I, I don't know. He's fa- he's fine. That's that's really the best word I could say about. Spe- speaking of 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 my final thought on Bruce Wayne. Speaking of his performance as 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 Bruce Wayne, where do you stand on the bad voice? Well, see, I think there's there's something interesting about that that I always tell people, and I think it's good to get out there, that the Bat Voice in the first one was kind of non-existent. He did it, like, one, one time. He shouted it. Where are the other drugs going? Yeah, but then the second one, where people gave him a lot of flack, a lot of that was done by Christopher Nolan. He ran a lot of, like, effects over the Batman voice to make it more growly and weird-sounding. I think Christian Bale gets a lot of flack for that, where he maybe didn't deserve. I don't so hate like this is a man that is dressed as a bat. Yeah, Christian it Bale. Makes is, sense it, that it, he it makes sense. It makes sense. Like he's creating a persona. Bale himself said in an interview that when he went for the audition, he was in Val Kilmer's suit, felt like an absolute twat, and had to do something to make it like a believable thing that a man would do this. And when yeah. you hear his explanation, it makes sense that the, the Bruce Wayne has to become. Batman, and that includes the voice, rather than just standing there like a numpty, you know, yeah. with a with a with a black curtain around his neck. But it is for me, it's very strange where he's 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 using the voice with people who know who he is. The only exception to that criticism is one of the better moments in the third film, is when he's having that conversation with. And the great characterization in the third film, actually, just to return to it for a moment, where he's speaking to Selina Kyle, it's like, you don't owe these people anymore. You've given them everything. And he just growls, you know, not everything, not yet. And that's, that, for me, was, that was the sign-off. That was the sign-off for his Batman. That was it. Do whatever you want with the character now, but that was bit, the, the logic for Bale's character right there. He became this, this figure, this character. What are your final thoughts on the series as a whole. Ah, it's great. It's a, it's a good series, but at the same time, I, like I've said, I have a lot of like dislike for the third one, so I, I tend to just think it as two films. Um, Interesting, yeah. I'd agree with that. To a certain extent, two, I would agree with that. But those two films are incredible. Like I love them. I think they're really great films. They're the only really good sort of DC movies you're probably going to get. In fairness, I would I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I would say that I have a love for I have a special love for the third one because I think it's a payoff for the fans. Okay. In its own way, I think it's full of little. While the second and sorry, while the first and the the second one are full of moments of just constant action, constant plot, the third one has episodic mo- moments of just genius, like when he's in that fight with Bane, which is marvelous. And when he's broken and moments with Alfred, when he's climbing out of the tunnel to freedom with that marvellous score by Hans Zimmer and when the bats fly overhead as he's looking up to the moment with Selina Kyle and indeed to the ending. It's little moments that pay off, but as a film, as a story, it's, it's the weak. I'd agree with you completely. It's the weakest of the three. Do you think, looking forward, do you think and do you look forward to the new film coming out, do you think it will be better? Do you think it will be different? And do you uh, think it uh, will impact Nolan's legacy? Okay. Uh, in order, no, no, <laughs> no, and no. Uh, I think it will be really bad. Yeah. Um, like, if you, I mean, you probably have, but if you've listened to the first episode of What's Now with Alan and Callum... Which we, you we, can find the link to below this SoundCloud link. We um, we break down the, the trailer and it basically ruins the whole film for people. It does tell you everything you need to know. Yeah. Fill, and I think, fill in the blanks here. I just think, look, I've always thought this since sort of they announced they were doing this film, right? They're just playing catch-up. Warner Brothers DC, they're just playing catch-up to Marvel who know what they're doing. You know yeah, what I mean? Marvel's got... in a league of their own. Exactly, they're trying to do this, they're trying to play catch-up, but they're trying to do it, like, different as well. They're trying to do the same thing, but different. They're trying to be like, right, we'll do the exact same as you guys, we'll build a cinematic shared universe, right? But we'll do it, like, serious, we'll try and make, like, serious Yeah, art. we're going really serious now, they're going... It's what I opened this, this conversation with, is I think it will be a very strange day where 
people look back on the Christopher Nolan series as, oh, they were light and funny, weren't they? Remember Michael Caine with his accent and he was a butler? Yeah. You know, but, it's... <laughs> the, like, the, two, the two points I'll make, that, like, one, I do, the one thing I am actually looking forward to, I think Ben Affleck will be really good. Like, I'm more and more interested and actually excited to see what he he's like as Batman because I actually think he'll be quite good. I agree with you completely. completely the trailers have made me quite uh, um, quite excited about that. I don't know if you'd agree with this, Alan. But uh-huh. I would put it to you like this. I'm not fussed about Batman v Superman. But no. seeing Ben Affleck as Batman, I am. I think, yeah. the stu- I think the studio knows that. That's why the most recent trailer, the final trailer, was Batman Intensive. Yeah, I, I think that's partly as well because of the such like negativity surrounding yeah, Man of Steel. But, you but know I'm, I mean? I'm also more excited by the prospect of a Batman film written by Ben Affleck, starring Ben Affleck, and directed by Ben Affleck. Yeah, see, that's that's that would that goes on to the setting point I was make, I was going to make. I am excited for that. I think it would be well, maybe not excited. I'm interested to see that. I really, I really just think, to be honest. My thoughts on the future of sort of DC Warner Brothers. I just think they should stop. They should just not bother for like ten years. Yeah, lads, we had a great innings, an unparalleled innings. Yeah, um, you know what I mean. Like they made the the the, the Nolan trilogy. They made a really bad Superman film. I think they should just quit. Like not bother. Let Marvel finish. I mean, Marvel probably never be finished. But let Marvel do all the good stuff, and then come back when people are maybe getting a bit more second Marvel stuff. Marvel will eventually stuff. have like the universe that it's creating and like the real universe it will have a big crunch. It will start imploding in on itself because it's so heavy. Um, as much as it pains me to say that it probably will. But like eventually I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I hope I personally hope the day never comes but it, it, it will. It's, uh, logically well people will get fed up with them but what I was going to say is that um, what was I going to say? Oh, I've forgotten now. You'll need to edit this out. <laughs> I'll stop it just now. Actually, no. Keep what, going and I will just what, edit. What were we talking about? We were talking about Ben Affleck. As we were talking about Ben Affleck. I was trying oh, to yeah, look. that's what I was going to say. The, to, go, to sort of tie this back in to the Nolan trilogy, that's kind of the point that I made at the start. It has had no impact. Because, in case in point, they're making more Batman films now. You know what I mean? Yeah, they've not bothered stop them and being like, these are the definitive Batman movies. You know what I mean? Less than 10 years later, you're going to get another Batman. Well, yeah. I, mean, I was kind of hoping that they would do... Obviously, Superman films were stuck in development hell for years. Christopher Reeve's injury uh, prevented them reprising the role. But it was a solid, what, I'm thinking, 20 years before there was another Superman film after the last one? Yeah, Nolan shouldn't. These films should. They, I don't think they should have. Warner Brothers should have gone anywhere near them again with this character. They should have just left it as it is. But they've gotten greedy with Man of Steel, which was an appalling film, and I think it would be, uh, it will be an impressive uh, feat if they manage to create a Superman film that everyone likes. But I think that's just to throw this in. I think that's to do with the the the, the feeling of the the times is that no one likes Superman because he's a Boy Scout. And no one likes a Boy Scout these days. They like their heroes with a little bit of rough and moral complexity. And that is, for me, why the, the Nolan films are still seminal. Well, see, I would, I would disagree with, with that point because you've, you see the, the success of the Captain America movies. And Captain America is a Boy Scout. Captain America is the Boy Scout. Uh, and yeah. manage, they managed to nail that perfectly. But I think part of the reason that Man of Steel was bad is because of the tone they chose to go with. They went for this kind of serious, funereal tone, whereas they needed to go for something light and colourful because that's kind of more what Superman's about. I they, mean, didn't, yeah. they didn't need a grim and gritty Superman because that's Batman's thing. That's ba- yeah, and that was what the, that's, that's what makes me think that the great contest between them won't really be that at all. No. Um, I'm looking well, well, that's that the, the, the like I don't know go like doing this film as your as your big flagship launch title essentially is what they're doing seems really weird because it's taking massive cues for the Dark Knight Returns 
And the whole point of The Dark Knight Returns is this is a Batman who has known Superman for years, therefore knows And that's how what makes it more beat. Titanic, the battle. Yeah. Where, and I, yeah, there's, all, there's this, like, pers- this wealth of personal history between the two of them. And it makes sense because that Batman would stand a chance. Logically, in their first meeting, Batman would just be pulverised. Like, <laughs> it, it'd be setting. Like, like a bat setting, on a car windshield, he would yeah. just have the shit kicked out of him. So it seems bizarre that they're going to do that first, but hey-ho, we'll see how it goes. We're going to see how it goes. We're going to see how it goes. Alan, we've spoken about this at some length, and it's yes. been an absolute, absolute pleasure speaking to you. But before I let you go, there is one thing that I want us to do. Okay. Let's I want you to sign off with your best Michael Caine impression. Oh, um... Say anything. Quote. Okay. Profound. Um, sage I, don't know, advice. I don't know if I could really do a very good Michael Caine impression. Oh, um, you're going to try. Yours is better. I heard yours earlier. It's better. I'm so glad um, you noticed. Listeners, I am available to hire as the Michael Caine impersonator if you'd like. <laughs> you could probably do like a, some sort of like uh, radio play of the Dark Knight trilogy. Well, I always yeah. thought that I could do... And if I keep this... I, I may put this in the, 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 the redux version of this conversation, but I, I think I could do the three-man, a three-man Batman, Batman trilogy sort of radio show with... You've got... You've got... <laughs> who you don't understand at all. Okay. And then you've got your, your Christian Bale Batman where all he does is speak like this for an hour and a half with a very, very sore throat. And on top of that, you've got, don't, don't be Batman anymore, Master Bruce. I, I, I can't let you die. I, I can't let you die. I don't know what to do with the bot. How do I tell people that you died, Master Bruce? People would think I did it. I can't be having that. You know, and it's a three-man show. You could do it very easily. It's the the film series of voices. You definitely could. Yeah, you could if you if you were to work on maybe your like Joker and your uh, Morgan Freeman. You could probably. Now, add, Morgan like, Freeman, I don't think I'm gonna I'm gonna nail in this lifetime. The Joker. I tell you what, Alan. I tell you what. You give me your best Michael Caine impression, and I'll give you a go at a Joker impression. A go at a Joker impression. A, a right? go. A go. Um, well, this has been Alan Graham talking on their podcast. I'll see you later. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so glad you enjoyed the Australian version of Batman today. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> right, here's, here's my... Yeah, you asked me to do the one character. I the one character. The, the right. one, like, if you asked me to do like a Batman voice, I probably would have to go at it. I could do a Joker, I could do a Bane. All right, like, I'm going to wheel out. I'm going to I'm going to wheel out a Joker. I'm going to wheel out a Joker. I'm going to I'm going to try and do it. And I hope the mic picks up because I can do it in better in person. It's like a lot of lip smack. A little a little a little bit of lip smack is a little bit of fight in you. I like that. Oh, you're going to love me. <laughs> Punch to the head. Punch to the head. Alan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. It's no problem, very much put me in the mood to watch these films for the second time in the space <laughs> of a week. Uh, guys, you can check out What's Now with Alan and Callum on Darrow. The link is below the SoundCloud. Alan, thank you so much, and thank you for our listeners who've indulged us for an hour. No problem at all. Thank you. Arthur. See you. Bye.